lavished his love upon us in the form of his son, in the form of his blood, and the great sacrifice that he gave us. Are you thankful for that sacrifice tonight, church? Are you thankful for the cross? Amen. You can be seated. Tonight I'm beginning my series on a journey to the cross. The title tonight is The One All-Sufficient Sacrifice. But before we go there, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for the love that you lavished upon us in the form of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father God, for the love that you demonstrated towards us in while we were yet sinners. And while we were walking in our own ways and doing what was right in our own eyes, oh God, you died for us. You look past our sins, you look past our faults, you look past our trespasses, and you saw the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that tonight, God, because without the blood, we'd still be lost. Without the blood, we'd still be blind. Without the blood, we'd still be in the miry clay. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we can now stand before your Father blameless with great joy. So we thank you for the joy that comes from the cross. We thank you for the freedom and the forgiveness that comes from the cross. We give you the praise and the glory for it tonight in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. In the 15th century... Thomas Kempis, who was an early theologian, wrote these words. In the cross is health, in the cross is life. In the cross is protection from our enemies. In the cross is heavenly sweetness. In the cross is strength of mind. In the cross is the joy of the spirit. In the cross is the height of virtue. In the Christ is the perfection of holiness. There is no health of the soul, no hope for the soul, no saving of the soul except in the cross of Jesus Christ. And since the beginning of this year, the Holy Spirit has been speaking the cross into my spirit. I've waited this long because I needed something that I could really put some meat on. I just needed him to speak what he wanted me to say. And it's taken that long for him to just get through to my soul so that there can be some stuff in my soul that I could share it to your soul. And I just think the time is right to bring it, church. I, I, I want to go to the cross because... Everything that I have preached to you so far this year and even in the years past, I've come to discover and I have come to understand that all of it, church, hinges on the cross of Jesus Christ. Every sermon that I've ever preached, every class that I've ever taught, every council session I've ever offered to God's people, every word of encouragement that I've ever spoken that's ever come across my lips, it's all meaningless without the cross of Jesus Christ. Every song that you have ever sung, every offering that we've ever given, every pray that we, prayer that we've ever prayed, every praise that we've ever presented to God, every gift that we've ever given, every service that we've ever attended, every sacrifice that we've ever made on behalf of God, it means absolutely nothing without the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ at its heart. Everything pertaining to our Christian faith, everything pertaining to our faith walk, everything pertaining to life and righteousness and godliness is utterly empty without the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. 
Our faith in all of Christianity revolves around one thing, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Without the cross, Jesus would not be the Christ. Without the cross, Jesus would be nothing more than a great philosopher, nothing more than a great prophet, nothing more than a teacher. Without the cross, Jesus Christ would have been nothing more than Isaiah or Jeremiah or John the Baptist who came before to make way for... But without the cross, Jesus would not have been the Messiah. He would have just been another prophet. But thank God for the cross. Because at the cross, we find salvation. At the cross, we come in contact with the Messiah. Because of the cross, we, we can come face to face with the precious Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world, church. The, the, the cross, in my estimation, has become obscured. The cross, in my estimation, in today's modern Christianity, has become overlooked. It's become overshadowed. It's, it's something that is in the distance. It's, it's become faint. Uh, and, and we tend to overlook it in our Christian faith. It's, it's my belief, and the reason that I am bringing this series on the cross is that the cross, which took center stage on Golgotha's Hill 2,000 years ago, is difficult to find in the midst of today's modern Christianity, in the midst of all of the deceptive doctrines that even stand behind the pulpit, this generation and in the society that we are living in. Listen, I want you to understand that if the preachers and the prophets and the people that you listen to don't lead you to the cross of Jesus Christ, you need to stop following them. If the people that you listen to, if the preachers that you listen to, if the prophets that speak words into your life do not lead you to the foot of the cross where Jesus Christ lavished his love upon us, you need to not follow them, church, because they're not leading you to life. They are not leading you to the Father because the only way we can come to the Father and the only way we can find life is at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. You need to watch who you follow, church. If the messages that they give, if the sermons that they preach, if the words that they speak into your life do not lead you, like I said, to the foot of the cross, you need to be careful in following them. The sad truth is the cross has become obscure, so obscure that we can hardly see it anymore, even in the church. In the readings that I've done, in the books that I've read in preparation for this, one of the authors writes this question or asks this question, How can an image once so shameful, how can an image once powerful enough to bow even the proudest of heads become so ordinary and overlooked in our lives? Would the death sentence of someone so near to us ever fail to get our attention? And yet it's happened with the cross. Today it fails to get our attention. Today the cross that we looked at, where Jesus died, suffered, and bled, where he went through the shame and went through the pain, it seems to be overlooked in today's, even from behind the pulpit church. The cross is rarely preached from the pulpit, especially if you listen to preaching on TV. It's rarely visited in our faith. It's hard to even recognize in the house of God, like I said. It's been covered, in my opinion, with compromise. 
I believe that it's been corrupted by political correctness. I believe that the cross of Jesus Christ has even been tainted by tolerance, even when God himself won't tolerate sin. And because of all of these things, we've lost sight of the cross of Jesus Christ. The reality is, in today's modern Christianity, we would rather talk about prosperity and we'd rather promote our own personal positions of power and pride than we would to go to the cross of Jesus Christ. It appears that we would rather take up our own cause than we would take up the cross and the cause of Jesus Christ. Sadly, far too many church people have become like those in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 10, who said to the prophets, stop telling me to do what's right. Stop telling me what's right. Tell me nice things. and Tell me sweet things. Tell us lies, they said. Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies is what the, the Word of God is telling us. That, and it reminds us today, I believe with all of my heart, that we are in a generation that is speaking those same words. We're, uh, it's, the, the, this represents, these words that were written thousands of years ago represent the heart of the people today, especially in the United States of America. Tell me lies. Tell me nice things. Tell me sweet things. Even if you have to lie to me, I want you to tell me the things that feel good. Don't tell me about the cross. Don't tell me about sin. Don't tell me about righteousness and holiness. Make up lies and tickle my ears so I feel good. But I want you to understand that life is only found in one place, and it is at the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm not here to tell you nice things. I'm not here to tell you sweet things. Yes, there are sweet things about God and sweet things about Scripture. And we demonstrated and we looked at the sweetness that God lavished upon us in the form of Jesus Christ and the cross. But listen to me. The cross isn't a sweet place. The cross isn't a sweet thing, and it's a nice thing. It represented the grotesqueness of our sin. There's nothing sweet about sin. Nothing nice about sin. It grieves the heart of God and it cost Him His only begotten Son. Tell me nice things and sweet things. Tell us lies. But this is where the generation is today, church. Tell us sweet little lies. The truth is far too many people would rather hear lies than they would about coming to the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't lead me to the cross, they say. Lead me in a lie instead. And it's happening all over the place, church. We're following lies instead of the footsteps of Jesus Christ that lead us to the cross. Listen, the Bible tells us that the cross is a stumbling block to a lot of people. The Bible tells us that the cross is foolishness to a lot of people and they don't want to hear about it. But the word of God also tells us, but to those who are his, to those who receive it, to those who believe it, it is the power of God. And the reality is I want to bring you this series about the cross because it's only at the cross where we can find the true power of God in our lives. I can tell you all sorts of sweet little lies and it won't overcome the enemy in your life. I can make up all kinds of sweet little stories that make you feel good about life, but it won't help you overcome the enemy and it won't bring you close to the Father. The cross of Jesus Christ is the only place where we can be reconciled unto God. 
believe with all of my heart it's time that we return to the cross. And it's what I want to do in this series. I want to reacquaint us with the cross of Christ. I want to bring it back into focus in our lives. I want it to take center stage in our lives. I want us to be able to say like Paul did, I have determined to know nothing. Except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I want us to come to the place like Paul, who was the greatest author in the New Testament. The greatest spokesman for the gospel of God that's ever been recorded. A learned man. An educated man. A a man of great influence. A man that had power on earth. This man, the greatest man that wrote the word of God, said in the midst of all of my teachings and in the midst of all of my preachings, in the midst of of all of my earthly influence, in the midst of all of my righteous writings, I have determined to know absolutely nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You see, Paul understood that every word that he ever wrote hinged upon the cross of Jesus Christ. He understood that every letter he ever wrote to the churches, every word of encouragement he ever lifted up, every prayer and every sacrifice he ever made for the Father, all hinged on the cross of Jesus Christ. It's why he determined to know nothing, because he realized that all of it is worthless without the cross. All of it is empty without the cross. All of it is void without the cross of Jesus Christ. And if we are following anything else except the cross, if we're headed towards anything except the cross of Christ, we're headed in the wrong direction. And we cannot find life. Without the cross, we would all be lost. Without the cross, we would all still be wandering in darkness. Without the cross, we would all be destined for destruction, church. And the the judgment of God would certainly be upon us. Listen, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to go over the next few weeks. There's a whole lot of things going around in my spirit. I know that I'm going to talk to you about the crucifixion. I know that I'm going to talk to you about the blood. I know I'm going to talk to you about the divine exchange that took place on the cross of Jesus Christ. I know I'm going to talk to you about the seven phrases that God, that Jesus Christ spoke while he was hanging on the cross. I don't know how long it'll take to, to cover all that, but I'm just going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit because I want to take us on a journey to the cross of Jesus Christ. I want to reacquaint us with the one who died for our sins that brought us into right relationship with the Father. Listen to me, I know there's a lot of prophets out there, so-called prophets out there, that are telling you that God's favor will come into your life when you sow, a, uh, when you sow some money into their ministry. That when you sow some uncommon seed into the soil of their ministry or into the soil of their pockets. But I want to give you an uncommon word. And that word is the fact that when there's only one place that you can find true favor. There's only one place you can try, find true blessings. There's only one place where you can find the true power of God. There's only one place where you can find healing and hope and restoration. There's only one place where you can find peace and joy. There's only one place where you can find contentment. There's only one place where you can find fellowship with the Father and walk in the cool of the day with God Himself. And that is at the cross of Jesus Christ. There is no other place that we can go, church. We're going to the cross because Jesus Himself said in Matthew 16, 24, If anyone wants to be my follower... If anyone wants to be my disciple, 
If anyone wants to come after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I want you to understand that we can't follow Christ without a cross on our back. We can't follow Christ until we're willing to step in the same footprints that he left behind on his way to Golgotha, on his way to Calvary Church. I want you to understand that Christ's way is clearly marked by the weight of the cross that he held upon his back. His footprints don't lead to a Cadillac. His footprints don't lead to a Cartier. His footprints don't lead to a pile of money. His footprints lead to the cross of Jesus Christ. They lead to the, the place where He shed His blood and died. They lead to the grave, church. That's where the footprints of Jesus Christ lead us. They lead us to Golgotha's hill where we are crucified with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Listen to me, church. If the footprints that you're following are shallow, you better get out of them. Because they don't bear the weight of the cross. Listen to what I said. If the footprints that you are following are shallow, stop following them. Because they, not, they have not been made by the weight of the cross that Jesus Christ bared. The only footprints worth following are the ones that carry and have been established by the weight of the cross. There is a way that seems right to many. But its end leads only to destruction. And I want you to understand that the house of God is filled with individuals following shallow footprints. They're following places. They're following footprints. And they're following paths that don't lead to life. They're following the footprints of a lie. They're following the footprints of, of, of what we just talked about. Sweet little things. They're not following in footsteps that lead to the foot of Jesus Christ where we can find the power of God to overcome sickness and sin and death. Where we can become reunited with God Himself. I'll say it again, if the footprints that you are following, if the pastors you are following, if the, if the leaders that you are following leave shallow footprints, be very careful where you follow. They must be marked with the weight of the cross of Jesus Christ. Please understand, the truth is, the cross must be at the center of our very faith. The cross must be at the center of our prayers, or our prayers will have no power. The cross of Jesus Christ must be at the center of our praise, or our praise will be utterly empty. It must be at the center of our giving, or our giving and our gifts will be worthless. It must be at the center of our service or our service will be completely in vain, church. I want you to understand that even when it comes to some of the natural things like marriage, if the cross of Jesus Christ, listen, the cross of Christ even has to be at the center of your marriage because if there was ever a place where flesh had to be crucified in order for a relationship to experience life, it's at the cross. Listen, the cross needs to be at the center of every area of our life. It needs to be at the center of our mind. It needs to be at the center of our speech. Listen, every word you speak should bear the weight of the cross of Jesus Christ. Every thought you think should, should bear the weight of the cross of Jesus Christ. Every footprint you leave behind in life should, should, should bear the weight of the cross of Jesus Christ. Wondering if your footsteps and my footsteps are deep enough 
If they're deep enough for someone to say, I know he's carrying a cross and I can follow him. I know that they've got the cross upon their back and I'm going to follow them. You see, the reality is a lot of us like to be all high and mighty. We like to put ourselves in places in the presence of God's people. And they're looking for put footprints, but they can't find them. They hear a bunch of words and they, they look at a whole bunch of spirituality. But when they look at your walk, they can't see a mark left behind you we need to make sure every single day if you want to follow me you must deny yourself take up your cross and step in the same footprints that i left behind because those are the paths that lead to lead to to god those are the paths that lead to victory where are we leading those around us church what mark are we leaving What path are we blazing for this world that is dying and going to hell? We've got to put some weight on our shoulder so we can leave a legacy. We've got to put a weight of the cross upon our back so we can make a difference in this life. Otherwise, we're just going to be shallow, useless individuals, church. Listen, we're going to go to the cross because the cross needs to even be at the center of this series, church. Each week I'll have a different subtitle, but the focus will always be around the cross. The focus will always be around the sacrifice or the blood of Jesus Christ. This week's title will be One All-Sufficient Sacrifice. And I don't have a lot for tonight, but i got enough certainly to, to carry us through. But the reality is tonight is all about one all-sufficient sacrifice. Because the Word of God tells us in Romans 5, 12 to 17, that just as sin entered into the world through one man... That through one man, through the one all-sufficient sacrifice, we are now reconciled unto God. And I kind of condensed those verses, but that's what it is, church. Just as sin entered into the world through one man, through one man, through one all-sufficient sacrifice, we are now reconciled unto God. We are now brought back into a right relationship with the Father. And one of the first words we have to look at in order to understand this series is the word atonement, church. Because that's what Jesus did at the cross. He made atonement. He didn't just die. He didn't just bleed. He didn't just give up his life. He made atonement for you and me. And that's the word we need to understand, to understand the power of what he did. That's the word we have to understand in the Old Testament and the New Testament, to understand what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about. If you look at the word atonement in its syllables, at one minute, you get an idea of what it really means. It means that we are brought back into a relationship where we are one with God. That's, that's what atonement means. Atonement means that through the work of a sacrifice in the Old Testament and or New Testament, we are brought back into one with God. You see, the reality is, listen, atonement means that God and sinner are brought back into a relationship in which they are one. No longer separated one from another. No longer severed one from another. No longer secluded one from another. But brought back into one as it was intended to be. As you know, sin separated us from the Father. As you know, sin severed that relationship with God. It separated us from His presence. It separated us from His power. It separated us from unabated, unhindered, unfettered fellowship with God, church. When Adam and Eve sinned, they became separated by their sin. Separated from the Father. They were no longer in right standing with God because of sin. 
They no longer walked in full fellowship with God in the cool of the day like the Bible says they did before they sinned. How many of you know that before they sinned, they walked with God in the cool of the day? But after they sinned, church, they were no longer shadowed. They were no longer shaded by the full glory of God in their lives because they sinned. They were separated and severed by sin. And there in the garden, the Garden of Eden or the garden that God made, we find the first example of atonement. Because God atoned for their sin by slaughtering one of his own creation and covered their nakedness with its skin, the Bible says. Blood was shed in paradise. That perfect place it was to be without sin. That perfect place where they were to live in full fellowship with God. They were severed from that relationship. And God, for the first time, had to make atonement for sin. And He covered their nakedness with its sin. Blood was shed in paradise. And from that day forward, church, man became separated from God by sin. A more common word for atonement today is reconciliation. You hear it all the time. Where through the cross and the blood of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, the sinner and God are reconciled one to another. And what I'm going to do, I don't want to get too teachy, but I'm going to show you the difference between those words in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But in, in the, the common word that we use today is reconciliation. It's where through the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ, God and sinner are reconciled one to another. They are at one through the power of the cross. We become one through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to get too teachy, like I said, but I want to teach us the difference. In the Old Testament, when an offering was made, it was for the atonement of the people's sin, like I said. And the word used in the Old Testament Hebrew was kippur, meaning covering. Therefore, in the Old Testament, when a sacrifice was made, it was kippur. It was a covering for their sins, church. And in the same way, listen, in the Garden of Eden, when they sinned, God made atonement. They used that. He made atonement. He made a covering for their sin. And in the same way, also, in the, New, in the Old Testament, again, on the Day of Atonement, which you might know as Yom Kippur, that too means the Day of Atonement or the Day of Covering. It was one day out of the year where the people of God would go and have their sins covered. The reality is in the Old Testament, when you use the word atonement, it was the word kippur, and it meant a covering for sins. But those sins were only covered for one year. Those sins were only covered for 365 days out of the year, church. And then at the, the next year, at the same time, the sins had to be covered once again. The sins had to be atoned for once again. Thus, or hence, the Day of Atonement. The one day out of the year where they had to sacrifice all over again. The one day out of the year where they had to bring an offering to God once again. Where an animal had to be shed once again. Where an animal had to be slain once again. And the blood had to be shed once again. This is what happened in the Old Testament church. They simply provided a covering for the sins of God's people. Because in the Old Testament, Kippur was only a covering. Atonement was only a covering. You know it as well as I do. The sacrifices offered and the blood that was shed in the Old Testament offered no permanent solution for sin. 
They offered no permanent solution for the problem that they had or the condition that they had. And that condition was sin, spiritual sin. The the blood of the goats and the blood of the lambs and the blood of the rams had no permanent power over sin. They couldn't destroy sin. They could only deter sin or the power over sin or the judgment over sin or the wrath of God over sin for 365 days. And then they had to do it all over again. They needed a new covering, a new sacrifice, and more blood had to be shed. But listen, in the New Testament, Greek, the Old Testament, Hebrew, kippur, covering, New Testament, Greek, we get a different meaning. We get a different, complete different picture of the word atonement and a complete different word, uh, a meaning of the word reconciliation. In Hebrews 10, 3 to 4, and forgive me if this is too teachy, but you got to get this before we get into the rest of the series. In Hebrews 10, 3 to 4, Speaking of the Old Testament sacrifices, it says this, in those sacrifices, in the sacrifices of the bulls and the goats and the oxen and the ram and all of those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every single year, a reminder to the people of their problem with sin, for it is not possible or impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. They can only cover them. However, also in Hebrews, which now focuses, and if you read the book of Hebrews, it all is about Jesus Christ as the high priest and Jesus Christ as the the sacrificial lamb. It's all about him being the, the priest and the sacrifice. And in Hebrews, we discover the new meaning for atonement in the Greek, which is a taking away of our sins, a putting away of our sins, a washing away of our sins instead of simply masking over them. In the Old Testament, one sacrifice was wasn't enough. One bull wasn't enough. One ox wasn't enough. One ram wasn't enough. One goat wasn't enough. One offering wasn't enough. It had to be done time and time again. But in the New Testament, Jesus became the one all-sufficient sacrifice for the entire world. His blood didn't have to be shed again. He didn't have to go to the cross again. He was the one all-sufficient sacrifice for all of mankind. It's the difference, church, between the Old Testament and the New Testament atonement. I'm thankful that we have a, we have through Jesus Christ our sins not just covered, our sins not just masked, but our sins actually washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, in Hebrews 9:26 again, the writer says, But now, speaking of Jesus as a sacrifice, he has appeared in order to put away sin or take away sin by the sacrifice of himself. No other sacrifice was sufficient. No other sacrifice had the power to take away sin, church, other than the blood of Jesus Christ, other than the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Remember in John 129, I know it's a lot of scripture, but before Jesus' public ministry even began, before his ministry even went public, John the Baptist said these words, Behold, the precious Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He did not say, Behold, the precious Lamb of God who covers over your sin. He didn't say, Behold, the precious Lamb of God who masks your sin, who has the power to to just cover over your sins for 365 days. He said, Behold, the precious Lamb of God who takes away and washes away and puts away our sin. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that my sin's been put away. 
I'm thankful that the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ have the power to defeat sin and death in the grave, church. And my sin can be defeated and overcome and put away and separated from me as far as the east is from the west for the rest of my life. It's the power of the cross. Jesus' blood was so powerful it didn't cover up sin. It washed it away. It didn't mask over it. It removed it from our lives. Jesus' blood made permanent atonement for our sin because Christ became the one all-sufficient sacrifice. Listen, it's why Paul said in Hebrews 10.26 as well, if the blood of Christ, this is kind of a modern interpretation, if the blood of Christ isn't enough for you, if you don't allow it to wash over you, if you don't repent and plead the blood of Christ over your lives, there remains no other sacrifice for your sin, Paul said. If the blood of Jesus Christ isn't enough for you, you've got no other chance. If the blood of Jesus Christ isn't enough for you, if the sacrifice that he made, if the love that he lavished upon us like we saw in that four or five minute film of a demonstration of that love church, if that sacrifice isn't enough for you and me, there remains no other sacrifice in our lives because there's no other, no other sacrifice that, that, than that that can reunite us with God. No other sacrifice can wash away your sin. And if we reject that church, listen, if you reject, if I reject, if any of mankind rejects the work of Jesus Christ, they reject their only way to salvation. If anyone rejects the work of Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ, they reject their only way to be reconciled with the Father, to be brought back into a right relationship with God, because there is only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. And where did Jesus Christ go? He went to the cross, church. Whether we like it or not, whether we receive it or not, whether we believe it or not, there is no other name by which we might be saved than through the name of Jesus Christ. No other way to become at one with God other than through the cross of Jesus Christ, through the precious Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And when we reject or anyone rejects that sacrifice, they reject eternal life. When they reject that sacrifice, they reject everything that Thomas Kemper... Uh, Thomas Kempis wrote, when they reject Jesus Christ, they reject health. When they reject the cross, they reject life. When they reject the cross, they reject protection from their enemies. When they reject the cross, they reject heavenly sweetness and strength of mind and the joy of the spirit and the height of virtue and the perfection of holiness. They reject health and hope and saving of the soul. When we reject Jesus Christ, that's what happens, church. The reality is, unfortunately, like I said at the beginning of this message, so many of us have lost sight of the cross of Jesus Christ because we've lost sight of our sin. And this is where I'm going to start to wind it down. Most of us, church, me included, we don't want to look at our sin. It's ugly. It's ugly. We don't want to look at our sin. We don't want to admit our sin. Last thing we want to do is confess our sin. It's a pride issue. And the reason that we're uncomfortable with it is because we know how much it grieves God. Because we know how ugly it is. So we would rather look away from our sin. And when we look away from our sin, we lose sight of the cross, church. We lose sight of the sacrifice that God made on our behalf so that we could have victory over sin. The reality is, look, I'm not saying that you walk through your whole life looking at sin. But what you got to do is look through your sin to see the cross of Jesus Christ. 
in order for you to see the father, you've got to look at your sin. In order for you to come into uh, into right communion with the Father, you've got to look at your sin because until you see your sin, you see no need for a Savior. Until you see your sin and the ugliness of your sin and the, the putridness of your sin, you know you see no need for the precious Lamb of God who came to take away those sins. But the reality is, church, we would rather not look at our sin or admit our sin or confess our sin. We would rather hide our sin in the bushes like Adam and Eve did, church. It's exactly what they did instead of running to the father and confessing their sin they hid their sin and we do the same thing today instead of confessing our sin we try to hide our sin try to hide it in the back seat of the car we try to hide it in a dark place we try to hide it at some far off street corner we try to hide at church in those areas where we think no one's looking we would rather hide our sin than confess our sin at the cross of jesus christ and listen it's why we don't have life and have it more abundantly it's why we don't have health in our bodies it's why we don't have peace of mind and peace and, and peace of heart it's why we don't have joy and victory in our lives church because we're hiding our sin instead of confessing our sin. We're hiding our sin and sweeping our sin under the carpet instead of bringing it to the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen, so many of us in a real sense, I believe, are living under a false covering. We're living under an Old Testament thought process. We're living under a covering instead of under the blood of Jesus Christ. The reality is, listen, we think good deeds can cover up our sins and we try to hide our sin under a mess. We try to hide our mess under a bunch of good deeds and think if I do enough good deeds, no one will see my sin and my wickedness will be covered. Listen, there ain't no deed good enough to wipe away sin. Excuse my English, but there ain't no deed good enough to overcome sin and sickness and death and the grave. You need to realize we try to hide our sin, church, with a big offering. If I give a big enough offering, that will hide my sin. But there is no offering big enough to find the favor of God. There's no offering large enough to find the power of God or loose the goodness of God in your life if it hasn't gone through the cross of Jesus Christ. The reality is we hide our sin, church. We think we can hide it under a three-piece suit and a big brand new Bible. We think we can hide it under spiritual talk and spiritual mumbo-jumbo. We think if I listen, nothing wrong with this. But we think if I go to church enough, we think if I sing enough songs, if I do enough good deeds, if I get involved in enough ministries, it will cover over my sins. It might cover them in the eyes of man. But it will not cover them in the eyes of God. I want you to know the only thing that will get rid of your sin and take away your sin is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He's the one I care about. Look, I can fool all sorts of men. I can cloak. I can, I can mask my sin. I could hide it all day long, but I cannot hide it from God. I need my sin washed away. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Please understand the cross of Christ is the only place where we can take our sins. The cross of Christ is the only place where our sins can be put away. Where our sins can be washed away. Where our sins can be put to death, church. The cross is the only place where we can be reconciled unto God. 
through the work of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, today, people who are faced with the consequences of their own sin, and I'm starting to bring this to a close, but so often today, people who are faced with the consequences of their own sins, and the reality is there are consequences to sins, amen? David found out, Samson found out, you've found out, I've found out, all of mankind that has become Christians and those who even haven't. Listen, your sin will find you out. Your sin will catch up to you and there will be consequences to our sins. But so often when today's people are faced with the consequences of their sin, they go looking for answers in the wrong place. They look for a covering instead of a cure. They try to find something that can mask over and cover over the consequences of their sin, the pain of their sin, and the suffering of it. Listen, you see it all the time. The suffering that they go through because of the sin in their life, they'll turn to a bottle and try to mask the pain. They'll turn to some drugs and try to mask the pain. They'll try to cover it up, church. Mask it over. They go to all the wrong places. I've gone to the wrong places. You've gone to the wrong places. When, we, when we're faced, when we come face to face with the consequences of our sins, church, so often we go to the wrong place when all we should be doing is going to the cross, going to the foot of Jesus Christ. Listen, when the woman went to the grave looking for Jesus, what did the angel say? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And in the same way, far too often, we look for the solution to our sin in the wrong places as well. We look to science for the solution. We look to ourselves for some inner form of strength that we might be able to work up and get past these things in our life. We look for some mystical experience that can set us free. We look to man to mediate our condition and, and our communication with God. But when we look and hide in these places, church, we only fool ourselves because like I said, there is only one place where we can find communion with God. There's only one place where we, a sinner, can be reconciled to God Almighty. And it is at the cross of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. How many of you are thankful for the blood? Listen, I've got a whole lot more to cover over the coming weeks, but I wanted to lay this foundation. But if you're thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ, I want you to stand to your feet tonight. And I just want us to just take a moment, church, to thank God for the great sacrifice that he made on our behalf. Just in the next couple minutes, I want us to just thank God for that sacrifice. Thank God. Father God, we just thank you, Lord God, for the sacrifice you made on our behalf. Thank you, Father God, for how you lavished your love upon us, how you demonstrated your love. And while we were yet sinners, God, you died for us. God, I'm thankful this evening that we don't have to bring bulls and don't have to bring goats and bring rams into the house of God. But I'm thankful, Father God, that when your son Jesus Christ died upon that cross, God, that it rent the veil in two and it gave us access to the most holy of holy places. 
And because of his work, God, we can come boldly into your throne room of grace so that we might find help in our time of need. I thank you that your blood does more than cover. I thank you that your blood does more than mask. I thank you that your blood does more than just hide our sins for 365 days. I thank you that there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. It can take a heart that's black as coal and make it white as snow. It can take a heart that's stained with sins like crimson and make it white as snow. Not just mask it, wash it away. Not just cover it, take it away. Not just hide it, but put it away forever, God. I thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that you desire to lead us to the cross because at the cross we'll find power. At the cross, we'll find hope. At the cross, we'll find healing of the body and healing of the mind, healing of the heart, healing of the soul. At the cross, we'll find peace and joy and comfort in the midst of our storms. At the cross, we'll find direction. At the cross, we'll find holiness and help, God. At the cross, we will find communion with you. And at the cross, we can learn to walk with you once again in the cool of the day, shadowed by your glory, shaded by your presence, Father. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the blood. I pray that the power of that blood and the power of the cross would carry us through this week and carry us until you call us home, God. Help us to become reacquainted with the cross. Help us to not hide our sin, but bring it to the only place, God, where it can be washed away. Thank you for the cross, God. We give you the praise and the glory and look forward, Father God, to what you have to speak to us in the weeks to come. And until that time, God, help us to bear up our cross and follow you. Help us to leave a mark and blaze a trail that others could follow, God, as we lead them to you. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord, church, one more time? Amen. It's not for my glory, but it's for His. If you have a special need, I'd be happy to tarry and pray with you. And ask that the power of the cross be applied to that situation.